Learning to say no is okay. I really was a yes person and said yes to everything that came my way. And eventually that snowballed and yet nothing was getting done properly. Hello and welcome to this bonus series of Ducks on the Pond. Kirsten Dipro is here with you. We're still a couple of months away from season five, but this bonus series should tide us over nicely. This topic is close to my heart and my frustrations. The farm office. Whether you've been lumped with the bookwork or you genuinely enjoy it, it is an important role. This series is all about how to make the process more efficient to help save you time. We're diving deep for some solid practical tips in this three-part collaboration series with Alison Hamilton, who is a business coach and creator of the Functioning Farm Office. In this episode, we get to know Alison, who will give us some good starting advice on how to make your farm office role more enjoyable, how to say no and set boundaries, and how to give up the illusion of multitasking. Then in our next episode, which we'll bring you next week, we'll drill into exactly how to create systems that work for you and your business. Then for our third episode, we look at decluttering our physical home office space as well as our mental farm office space. Now it's just me for this bonus series, but Jackie will be back for season five. Let's dive in. Alison, thank you so much for joining us here on Ducks on the Pond. Oh, absolutely lovely to be here. Thanks for having me, Kirsten. So I think every woman, particularly every rural woman, really wants to know how to get more time out of the day, particularly when we often spend so much time in transit or just get interrupted, like picking kids up or jumping out and doing something on the farm. How can we get more control over our time? Yes, such a good question and one that I've really grappled with a lot over my years. And I guess first and foremost, it's about understanding that time cannot be managed. At the end of the day, you think about all of the people in the world, the most successful, um, we've all got the same 24 hours. And when I got my head around that and really learned that, you know, instead of saying there's not enough hours in the day, but instead I now actually just prioritise and really ensure that what I am doing in the time in my 24-hour day is actually taking me forward and is really important. But I think also that's come from experience is looking after yourself and prioritising time for you amongst that busy, hectic life. I think as rural mums, we get very good at giving time to everyone else and putting everyone else's needs first. So once I figured those things out, I made time for myself, which I often do first thing in the morning, and then I learned to prioritise what has to be done in the day. I found I was leaving the day, you know, with a bit of a pat on the back as opposed to feeling, oh, my God, i got nothing done and all I've done is chase my tail today. Oh, so many good points in that. And I'm going to return to it in in just a moment, but I really first wanted to understand you a little bit better. So what's your connection to rural Australia? Yeah, look, I'm a farmer. I grew up in a little place called Crookwell in the New South Wales Southern Tablelands on a beef cattle property. I was a fourth generation farmer there. So agriculture and farming is in my blood. But nowadays I live on the outskirts of Wagga in the New South Wales Riverina with my husband and we have a small farm now. We also have horticulture business. I've got my business and we've got two small children and I also hold leadership board positions in in ag. So a number of different hats that I wear in the ag space. Love every single one of them. Yeah. Tell me about your your role on the farm. Like what are your main jobs and how do you divvy up who does what? 
Yeah. Look, at the moment, we're only really a small, small acreage farm. As I said, we've got other businesses as well. So we only run 50 odd beef cattle breeders at the moment, hoping to expand on that one day. But at the moment, it's it's me. I guess it's my passion. My husband's not originally from a farm. So I am the the farmer. He helps me with the fencing and the cropping and all of those other heavy lifting type duties. But it's something I'm really passionate about. Obviously coming from a farming farming background, it's something that is is in my blood. And we just love our little herd of, of Angus cattle. And I take it you do the bookwork, the accounting, the farm office? I do. And that's where it sort of all came in. I was doing the the bookwork, not only for our farm, which is quite minimal, but also for my husband's small business and for my business, as well as some of the board director roles that I have, I have held. So I was spending a lot of time in the office. And to be honest, I'm a person that actually would much rather be outside. And I guess that's where things really started crumbling down when I didn't have the systems and processes around me to support all of those different admin roles that I was trying to juggle when, you you know, I'd be looking out the window and thinking I'd much rather be out there doing something on the farm or, or elsewhere. So that was really the catalyst for me. And the juggle was was real and it became really real yeah, a few years ago. Yeah. Tell me about that time. What was going on that made it so difficult? Was there a kind of moment where you just thought, no, nah, I can't do this anymore the way that it's going? Yeah, there honestly was. And look, I think, you know, the fact I had two small children at the time, didn't help, but I'm a person that always says yes. And one of the things that I've learned in going through this learning journey and helping myself with my farm and, and small business office and now helping others is that learning to say no is okay. I really was a yes person and said yes to everything that came my way. And eventually that snowballed and yeah, nothing was getting done properly. I was on the back foot for everything, missing deadlines, missing opportunities, systems that were out of control and an office that I just did not want to be in. So it was the snowball effect of all of those things that was the catalyst for, you know, something has got to change. And to be honest, I spoke to other friends in farming families or farming environments and really started to learn that I wasn't the only one suffering from that, they may have adopted the the admin of the of the farm perhaps by default or something that they'd picked up which isn't necessarily their first skill set and were struggling away with you know how to how to make it happen and how to to fit it in with the other demands on life and I know that was certainly the case for me. I remember very vividly the day my mother in law handed me the books for my husband's business and said there you go and good luck and gave me some training on how to do things and. It almost brought me to, to tears thinking this is extremely overwhelming and there has to be a better way. So I set myself on a path to to find a better way. Yeah, I, I hear you. I feel like people who listen to this podcast have probably heard me talk about <laughs> my continual journey with the farm book work. You kind of got to learn the ropes, but then you're like, I don't, I don't know why I'm doing it this way. Did you find yourself at that point? Oh, exactly. Totally. And my mother-in-law was great at printing things out and you have to print this and you have to post this and, and whatever. And I'm, it really wasn't my style. So I've grappled with it for, for some time. And then I found my own rhythm and my own way of doing things. And it was like a huge weight off my shoulders doing that. And I think 
I think that's what my business is really all about. It's either helping people just tweak or transform the way things happen, really find systems and processes that work for them. And to be honest, you know, I don't have all the answers and I've created this platform where people can come in and share ideas and learn from each other. And I think that's the important part that people need to go on their own discovery of what works for them doesn't necessarily work for for others. And I I strongly sort of support that in my learnings is, you know, this isn't something you can look over the farm fence and do what your neighbours are doing. All of our businesses are very unique in how they operate and all of the, the different elements of them. And you have to find something that works for you. And that's what's going to create an office that, you know, hums along. You mentioned earlier that you had trouble saying no, which I think a lot of us you can relate to. Were the things that you were saying yes to things that you wanted to do or things you felt obliged to do? Good question. And look, it was a little bit of both, I think. There was a lot of social pressures that I think in some cases I did feel, oh, yes, I have to or I'm going to lose friends. And, you know, being in a new community, I think there were some certainly some pressures of things that I didn't necessarily want to do but felt I had to do. And then there were some things that I just didn't really have any desire to do at all, but I was saying yes to please others and because I thought it was the right thing to do. So I guess it's a bit of a twofold answer there. A a bit of both is my answer, but I've certainly become stronger in knowing my own values, what's true to me, what really is a value to me. And I've learned to really connect and not necessarily give an answer right away. I used to jump and say yes straight away before even thinking about it. So I think something I've really learned is that actually I can sit on this for a day or two and think about it before I actually fly off the cuff and give an answer. And that's been really valuable change in the way I approach saying yes or no as well. I think it's very easier said than done when it comes to saying no to things. Do you have any guidance on how you can say no? I do a lot of journaling these days and I really, you know, am in touch with what what does mean a lot to me and what I can say yes and what I can say no to. But my advice really is, I think it's it's simply that, you know, not to say yes straight away, but to think about it. And it's perhaps about timing as well. It's not necessarily saying, no, I'm never going to do that. But no, it's just not quite right right now. But, you know, come back to me, it may be. Or, um you know, putting your own slant on it and doing it in on, on your terms as opposed to, you know, jumping when someone says jump. I find that putting a different slant on it and if it is something that I feel might be more applicable down the track, then my answer is not no, but it's, you know, maybe later. And I think people respect that as well, I have found, which I was fearful of. And I think it is a bit of a fear that we all hold, or, you know, I'm going to squash this opportunity or the opportunity may never come again or something like that. But I've just got brave, I guess, in doing that. And I think being brave and courageous and and giving it a go. And once you you do it a couple of times, it comes a little bit more naturally. Yeah, I love that idea of putting your own slant on it. Sometimes it's about saying, I can't do A, B and C for you, but I can do A. Exactly. I think leading back to that sort of time management, is that a key starting point for when you're trying to get more hours out of your day? Yes, it certainly is. And look, I've surveyed people in my community and one of the key things that keeps coming up, the the key challenge in the farm offices is lack of time. For me, it was as well. There just weren't enough hours in the day. I was burning the candle at both ends. I was, you know, trying to multitask, which I've also learned is something that I'm no good at and ask people to question whether they are as well in terms of multitasking and what comes of that. Multitasking, I agree. Like I'm I'm anti-multitasking. I try to do it all the time and I'm trying to stop. In fact, it's one of my New Year's resolutions, which I'm not big on as well, but one is, is to not multitask because 
the human brain can't actually do it. I think studies show that maybe 2% of the population can. I had a boss once who could truly do it. She could have a conversation with someone while writing a message to someone else. My brain can't do that. I'm in the 98%. Yeah, totally. Me too. And look, as I tried and, you know, even with small kids, I'd have the kids around, I was trying to pay a bill, cook dinner, all of those things. And something was bound to go wrong, you know, the dinner would burn or I'd pay the wrong amount or the wrong person. And I, once I sort of came to the realization that I actually couldn't multitask, it's been a game changer for me too. So I actually set time now and that's where it comes back to, yeah, setting the priorities every day. So I, I don't tick off too much. I, I may have a to-do list, but it then transforms into what I call my priority list. So big to-do list might sit on the side, but then what am I actually going to do tomorrow? And knowing that things, you know, often get taken off track if we've got sick kids or, you know, a breakdown or something's got to happen that, that comes up and gets in the way, that as long as I've only got two or three things on that priority list that really have to happen tomorrow, I feel a lot more in control that I can get them done as opposed to trying to tackle and look at a, a massive to-do list that always seems to, to keep growing. So, yes, that's that's been a big changer of mine. And then scheduling it into a, a calendar to actually to actually do it and have reminders, forward planning with that has been really important to to getting some rhythm in my farm office and ensuring that I'm not here when I'm trying to cook dinner and that when I am present with the kids, I'm present with the kids. I'm not saying it's perfect all of the time. It's certainly not, but it's a lot better than it was. Yeah, I'm a big fan of blocking time out for a certain task and it, then it takes it out of your mind, takes it from that stress kind of thing. I've got to do this thing. It's like, it's okay. Tuesday at three o'clock, I'm doing the thing. How much time do you set aside, like talking about multitasking and focusing, how much time would you set aside for a task that you can actually sort of achieve something in? Look, it depends on the task. But for me, I'm an hour block kind of person max. And unless it's a really big thing that I'm, you know, writing a part of my manual or something like that, you know, it might be a couple of hours. But I work on hour hour time slots. Then I always need a break, whether it be a bit of a walk or some fresh air or a change or I check my emails or whatever the case may be. And this may differ from others. People might have different attention spans. But for me, the hour block works works really, really well. And I find that I can focus on something for that amount of time. I also actually put in like batch tasking. I find if I've got an hour, I will will actually batch tasks that are similar that I can get done in that time as opposed to doing, you know, a couple of bills here and a few emails and, you know, something else. I find if I can get some consistency and write, okay, I'm doing my my accounts right now and I'm going to spend an hour on that, it's a lot more productive for me to batch my tasks up like that. Is there any way that we you can make farm office work more interesting? Sometimes I think some of the barriers is just that it's it's dull. You know, I used to try to listen to podcasts while I was coding, not paying bills because I was too afraid of making mistakes and sending money where I shouldn't, but coding stuff, but it it made me far more inefficient. It's just because I hated doing it. Yes. Oh, your music to my ears, because I guess that's where I came from as well. And it was, you know, procrastination is another word that really comes to mind. And we are all very good at procrastinating on the things that we don't enjoy doing and potentially don't have the skills to do. So I don't know about making it more enjoyable or more fun or more interesting. But what I have learned to do is actually delegate some of the jobs that potentially aren't down my skill set or that I don't enjoy 
we actually handed over a little bit more to a bookkeeper in regards to some of those mundane things so that I could spend more time on the more interesting things that I do enjoy, which are systems and processes and communication. I like that stuff. I like having our team humming along and ensuring that we have the systems and processes to support that. But accounts are certainly not for me. So I think delegating has been one way that I have avoided those jobs that I used to procrastinate big time on. Yeah, I've delegated the the coding part, which is great because like you, I actually quite enjoy some of those bigger systems and and thinking about the the whole of the business. And the only way I learned that was from doing those lower jobs. But do you think sometimes it can be hard to get out of of that kind of area? And and particularly when you're a woman, sometimes it can be expected that oh, you'll just go do the books. But I liken it to having to just like dig holes for the rest of your career. You know, that's what I say to my husband. It's like, you might've started by doing fencing or digging holes, but what if you were still doing that in 30 years? Yes, exactly. Exactly. And look, I love, and what we've started to do is actually write our own job descriptions. Like, you know, it may only be a family farming business and you think, well, we all just chip in and do what has to be done. And I think that's the way it happens generally. And people don't think about well, what actually is my role on the farm? What is my job description? So I think by actually articulating a job description, this is what I do, and then breaking that down. And this is what I enjoy doing. This is what I'd love to create another role over here for someone else doing the things that I don't necessarily have the skills to do or enjoy doing, I think is really the first, one of the first ports of call to to help with that is really understanding what is our role and what are the tasks that I do and and, and actually putting that into a, a basic job type description. And there may be someone else in the business that actually would rather, you know, enjoy that doing that more than you. And so, you know, hand it over to them and chop and change your job descriptions to ensure everyone's, you know, tapping into their expertise and and their strength. And I know other businesses that I've worked with have certainly started to look at that as well and are feeling a lot more comfortable in doing the things that they enjoy doing as opposed to the things that they've kind of inherited and are expected to do but don't enjoy doing and perhaps don't do well. I think a job description gives you ownership as well. And when you've got ownership over something, you're not just doing the task. Any job has its boring, menial parts to it. That's just how it goes. But when you've got ownership, you've also got that creative side of your brain going, thinking about problem solving and other ways of doing things. Exactly, exactly. No, I think the job description is really, really valuable in that. And it also highlights the communication that needs to happen within a business. So, you know, who needs to be talking to who? Because I think in the farm office, you rely on input from many others. You know, someone needs to give you the receipts or the livestock records or whatever it is they've been doing for the admin process to happen. And sometimes when those communication channels break down, I think that's a cause of frustration or it has been for me in our business, a cause of frustration. I sit down to do the wages, haven't got everyone's timesheets, for example. So, you know, what is that chain of communication and and where does it need to go? I think it really sort of highlights that and, and can help strengthen systems and perhaps save on time as well in the office. We talked about, you know, how do I have to spend less time in the office and get things done more effectively? And I think it comes down to, you know, having that chain of communication and really having the the steps in place that everyone knows and everyone can follow. And then before you sit down to do a task, you know, you've got all the information and you can do it and you're not chopping and changing. And that for me has been a bit of a game changer as well. And we talk a lot about that in the, the functioning farm office, because I think it is a fairly common frustration for many. 
I definitely agree with that. The trouble is it involves other people getting on board. And if it's not their role to pay the wages or do the book work, then they just don't have that incentive. And when they're not sort of, you're not in another workplace environment where you're at a company and things generally run smoothly and and it's expected that you all do your jobs for each other. How do you have those conversations? How can you sort of say, it's about respecting my time that I get the details in by Friday or whatever it is? Yeah, good, good point. And what we do to counteract this is we've implemented toolbox meetings once a week we all actually come together and and have a chat about you know the things that have gone well for the week the things that haven't gone well for the week what needs to happen any frustrations are aired we also have a whatsapp group where you know any points like that can be raised and the whole team know about it so the communication channels are are open but having that formal um weekly meeting just getting in the rhythm doesn't have to be long but it's just a place where people can air those things that need to need to happen and ensure that everyone's getting what they need to do their job really well. And I think giving employees, we often have the levels of chain of command in a business. And unless everyone knows what's important to each other and you have those conversations, I think, yeah, you're right, it can get lost and it can get, you know, the lines can get blurred. But as soon as they know the reason as to, you know, why they might be doing something and the impact it might have, I think it makes a lot more sense. I think it's almost easier to have those conversations with employees than say with your partner or with a parent or another family member that you might be working with. Yes. And look, my husband's not going to listen to this, but we have to, we had to do some some training around that and we do now also have our own little Sunday night meeting okay what's on for the week what do you need and it sounds a bit formal but it's actually been really beneficial you know everyone can now fit together things can run a lot more smoothly we all know what's priority we all know what's on and we can share the roles so I think you're implementing some of those more corporate type business philosophies and principles to the farming farming family business and to busy lifestyles can actually really be quite helpful in terms of, you know, organisation, time and priority management and ensuring that, you know, come five o'clock on Friday, everyone can knock off together and no one's chasing their tail of, of things that still need to be done that haven't been done or balls that have been dropped or whatever the case may be, which is certainly where we used to be. And now I'm finding that that is not happening so much. A, a weekend comes and I don't have to go to the office to attend to a bill that wasn't paid or something that wasn't submitted. Occasionally, of course, that's life, but it's certainly a lot less frequent now that we have that open communication. Have you got any stories from when you've had that frustration where you really were like, got to change this? Oh, yeah, look, probably got several stories I can tell. I don't want to tell too many out of school. But, um, yeah, look, we've certainly missed deadlines for things. We've had incidents where, you know, bills have been paid twice. Just some of the examples that come to mind because the roles weren't distinguished. And, you know, my husband would pay some that had come across his desk. If they were emailed to me, we'd both end up paying them. So, yeah, there's been some quite significant impact. And, you know, as much as most people are are credible and then give your credit next time it's really not very efficient but not a good look to to have that happen and yeah that certainly has happened a couple of times for us oh I've done I've paid a bill twice don't worry about that I've done that a few times (laughs) yeah I'm sure it's a couple of times 
Yeah. And look, I think it's just about finding a process that does work for you. And we had incidents where we had staff buying chemical and various things and no purchase orders. And I didn't know if it was for the business or the farm. And just by creating some simple processes that everyone knows to follow, okay, this is the purchase order for business. This is the purchase order for farm. It's made our life, you know, a whole lot easier. And it is only the simple processes that I think can help make these more things more efficient. Even having a cap on purchasing, I think it can be useful, particularly if it's staff or, you know, you think, oh gosh, that's a lot of money. At what point do I need to check with someone? Exactly. And look, we, you know, we certainly do have boundaries around those things as well. And and I think that's that's been really important because we've certainly had things come across the desk as, you know, I didn't get this, I didn't get this, and it's the blame game and, you know, no one can take ownership. So setting some boundaries is also, you know, a good part of the, the process that's made things a bit more efficient for us as well. And that's it for this episode of Ducks on the Pond. It's series one of a three-part collaboration series with Alison Hamilton. So look out for the next episode dropping next week as we look at creating those systems and processes to make your farm office work like clockwork, as Alison likes to say. And make sure you're owning your role like the boss or hot mess that you are. Alison's also offering a discount for her six-week program for listeners to this podcast. The code is FFO20%. That stands for Functioning Farm Office, so FFO 20%. And remember, you can follow Ducks on the Pond on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You'll find us. And if you're interested in sponsoring an episode, series, or collaborating with us, then please let me know. Check out the details in the show notes. I'll catch you next time. Thank you.